0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your
2: hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports
3: presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Parton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. We're here. It's 12.11 a.m. on the East Coast. Week 7 in the books. Lots to get to. Uh, we've got a little bit of disappointment in the SEC. On the other hand, we've got a little bit of a, a line in the sand, at least in terms of the top tier and the rest of it. We've got uh, just absolute Absurd scores on the scoreboard, especially from the number one team in the country. We've got uh, the Knolls back? Question mark. You know, maybe we can get into that more uh, on Monday when we do get our Knolls to go, but. I mean, I feel like we should start uh, with the the SEC on CBS game of the week, the 8 p.m. Eastern time uh, primetime game, because uh, one of the things that was so exciting about this was on the pregame show for this game, I, I was like, when you get these massive teams with so much talent and elite coaching together, they do have uh, not always the – romanticism of like a play but they have acts right like these kind of games these heavyweight bouts they've got someone's going to come out and they're going to make an early statement and then there's going to be a response and then there's going to be a climax where the game is kind of broken open 41 to 24 alabama georgia uh a lot of punches thrown early and then the second half, just all Alabama, a 21 to nothing second half shutout by the Crimson Tide. Uh, a lot of drama in that first half. The first half took a lot more time than the rest of the game did. Uh, you know, like, where where do you want to start with this one? Because there's, I think that there's some granular stuff that's really interesting. I think there's some big picture stuff that probably, I feel like my my opinions didn't really change about either one of these teams. But the matchup itself... I'll say this. I'll say it delivered. We hyped it up all week. I felt entertained by what we saw out of these two, yes, two still national championship contenders.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is the game. In a weird way, the game went a lot like what we expected it to, and we talked about on the podcast last week, and we talked about when we made it a lock infinity taking Alabama. It was just the overwhelming feeling that I think all four of us had was that Over 60 minutes, I just don't see how Georgia can hang with Alabama with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly how it played out. They were able to hang around for the half Hell, They had the lead at halftime, which Georgia seems to be great at doing against Alabama, and Bennett, while he wasn't playing well, Mac Jones really wasn't playing all that well either in the first half, and Bennett was making enough throws to keep Georgia in the game and to get them to lead, but then – In the second half, the talent disparity between Mac Jones and Stetson Bennett became more and more apparent. Bennett turned the ball over a lot, was missing more throws than before. And, I mean, he finished the night 18 of 40, 269, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Compare that to Mac Jones, who... Up against what's probably might be at worst the number two defense in the country, depending on how you feel about Clemson. It's one of the two best defenses in the country. And Mac Jones threw for four seventeen <laughs> and four, four touchdowns tutties and an interception <laughs> against it. So if you're still not sure if Mac Jones is good, I think tonight probably had to seal that deal for you.
1: Feels like to me. <clears throat> You know, in the in like the presidential debates, uh, the primary debates, when there's like thirteen candidates on the stage, right? And like, you know, the early debates, you know, you may have one of the candidates start out on the outside, the outer edges, and then each debate they kind of get a little bit further inside, and then by like the end of it, they're like on the front podium. Feels a little bit of like what Mac Jones is doing right now. Like every week, we're just sort of reluctantly kind of move. Oh, he's still here. Okay, we'll we'll move him on his side. Okay, okay he's still like he the, the guy's damn near perfect. And and it's 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 a credit to him. It's a credit to his his receivers. He is. I mean, shout out to um, Roger Sherman again. The I that mean, listen. He's my Roger boy. A lot of love <laughs> on the cover <laughs> three of the last couple of weeks. I, I love
0: Roger man. That's my guy. I'm not a, not ashamed to do it. But what
1: what was what was the gym this week? Uh, he he just posted up hit Mac Jones's stats. Um, this is a pretty simple one. He'd have to work too hard for this one. He's posted Mac Jones's stats uh, as compared to to uh, Jalen. Um, maybe it right. Maybe I don't, I'm not even finding it now. So maybe it was somebody else. Um, but Mac Jones's stats are are like pretty clearly the best stats an Alabama quarterback has had in the last five years over the first four games. Um, And, and he's just, he's doing it really just by not, I mean, he's not being spectacular. He's just being very efficient, uh, accurate, making the right decisions. But, and, and and all that said, and I believe all that. And I think Mac Jones has been a revelation. And, you know, I was the guy that was sitting here saying, you know, the Georgia game, (laughs) Yeah, the Georgia game is going to be the, the 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 sort of the moment where we find out if Mac Jones can be the guy for the rest of the year, or if or Bryce, jo- Bryce Young has to take over. Well, Mac Jones is going to be the guy the rest of the year, but and 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 I, I thought the like you said, Tom, the quarterback differential there was critical, and it was kind of the difference, and the fact that Stetson Bennett really couldn't. Stretch the field with his arms, make those big throws, hit home runs. That was the difference. Um, but I think the reason that Mac Jones can do that in part is because of those wide receivers. And to me, that was like that was where I saw the difference in the game. It, like my eye was drawn more towards the difference at the receiver position than the difference at the quarterback position or anywhere else. And it wasn't that Georgia is, is deficient at wide receiver. It's just that Alabama's got some <laughs> damn killers out there. Like those dudes are, are assassins. And, I, and, and I, I think this game is moving in a direction and has, has it's arrived, not moving, it's just arrived in, in, in a spot where that is really important. You know, best team in the country last year. What they have? They had the best receiver in yep. the damn country. You know, like best receiver. Like wh- you want to, you want to figure out why Alabama, Like, like you, you want to talk yourself into Alabama being Clemson? Well, Clemson doesn't this have those why. two guys. Yeah, like no one has those two guys on one team. And so that that was my thing tonight. Is just watching those two guys, Waddle and Smith, operate was was just totally um, eye opening and and um Just just incredible yeah, I've
3: been kind of posing the theory the last couple of years, where it's like the Heisman is without a doubt now a quarterback award. It's almost impossible for a non- QB to win it. But I do think that considering the award is so it throughout its history, it was a running back award and then it became the QB award. And it's never really been for wide receivers. I do think we're at an age now where a wide receiver will win a Heisman before the next running back does. And I do think it's because of guys like this. And we had the tech start about it during the game, Barton, you're you're a huge Devonte Smith fan. I like Jalen Waddle, and my thing with Alabama is every year it's not just that they're really talented or super fast. Like Jalen Waddle got behind a guy, had a nice little push off and 90 yard touchdown in the blink of an eye that completely, you know, changed the game. Devontae made that amazing catch at the back of the end zone on a perfect throw from Mac Jones with perfect coverage on him. And he reached up high pointed. It got it, got his foot down. And these are all spectacular things. Like you see that, but it's the little things that they do that really stand out. And it's been consistent with Alabama through the years, going all the way back to Julio Jones. It's not just that they have talented guys they have like perfect route runners consistently went from Julio who ran great routes to Amari Cooper, who ran great routes to Calvin Ridley who ran great routes to Judy and now to Smith and Waddle, I think is a little more raw with some of his routes. I think he's great on the slant and obviously the go, he's already got that down no matter what, but like you were texting about it and tweeting about it too. Smith is just a master technician with his routes. There's his speed, his balance, the way he runs it and his timing are just phenomenal.
0: So like, 11 catches, 167 yards, and two touchdowns against the best defense in the country. Like, that is just... That is big game stuff, right? Like, that's like, okay... You know what? Like we we need for me to step up and be a superstar. I'm a senior on this team and I'm going to win against Stokes. I'm going to win against Tyson Campbell. I'm going to win against other players that are also going to be in the NFL in this secondary and and DeVonta Smith just went out and got it, man. That's crazy stat line. 11 catches, 167
1: yards, two touchdowns. Stupid. And those were contested catches. Yeah. That's what's, I mean, like it wasn't as if George's defense wasn't awesome and it wasn't as if he was just ripping those guys up. It was just when you're that good and, and, and the margin is so slim and thin it, you know, the better player just is making those plays and he was the best player on the field. Um, Just, just, Go back to the, the fourth and 21 or whatever or the second and 21, or whatever the play was where he caught the pass from two of to, to score the touchdown, because everybody sees that play from I believe like it's third and 26. It. Third and 26. All right. Or so everyone's, everyone's seen that play. Like, that. like watch Devonte Smith at the beginning of that. If you can find the angle where it shows his release and the way and, ha- and how effortlessly and fluid like he is in stacking that corner. It's, I mean, he's he's just a, he's a freaking, he's a freak, man. He is an absolute freak show. 13 targets
0: for those 11 catches yeah. for 167 yards. It's a pretty like, good Jermaine, conversion
1: rate. And, and, and you know, Jermaine Burton, like oh. provided Georgia with sort of their athletic boost that it needed. And he, he flashed as a true freshman um, and he had a good game, but yeah, you know, there were some plays that Jermaine Burton couldn't make that Devontae Smith makes, mm-hmm. and maybe Jermaine Burton will make those. But but I, I'm telling you, like it's it's weird to say it because we're so programmed to be like, oh, the game was won in the trenches, and oh, like look, like Devin Jalen, and the game is won at the receiver position tonight. And that's what I that's what I thought, anyways.
3: Yeah, and speaking of receivers, um, like you, you mentioned Burton, who I think. Is somebody over? Like the last couple of weeks is really showing that I feel like as this offense improves and moves forward, he's probably going to be that guy for the Georgia offense. But like George Pickens tonight was another kind of disappointing performance, and this is a guy that came in with so much, you know, he was a highly rated recruit. There's a lot of a lot of hype around him, a lot of promise with him, and this was just another night where I felt like he had a chance to, you know, really kind of assert himself, and he just came up short now it's not all on him because there were times where he was open and quite frankly Stetson Bennett missed him it's just it's it's getting to the point with Pickens that I feel like I it's 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 got to you know show up at some point I don't know it just it feels like it's missing still
1: I agree oh you I wonder if you can put some of that on Pat Sertan Jr. um, who I don't know I I think was on him most of the night um, but it's because I, you know, for all the the big plays that took place, I didn't see a whole lot of those being taken place on Pat Sertan's watch. Uh, no,
0: it was James Cook. I mean, it was like the when Georgia was successful offensively, it was thrown to tight ends and running backs. It wasn't, you know, getting those outside receivers, and and that's because Alabama's good at corner. I mean, it was it was playing out pretty close to the way that we had broken it down in some of our previews, where the weaknesses were going to be. You know, those outside linebacker positions. The weaknesses were gonna be maybe at the safety position. And and those were places that Georgia hit. I mean, I, I like again, I'm coming out of a game that Georgia lost 41 to 24, where it felt like Georgia could not uh defend the wide receiver position. I still think Georgia's really good. I thought yeah. they came in with a really, really good game plan. And I'm I'm coming out of it like even even more firmly believing that you know, to to look at the AP poll, for example, um, like one, two, and three, and then line, and then I, I think that you go for a little bit of a drop off from there. I do not. Georgia may lose again. It it's college football. We've seen some wild stuff, but like, man, that's that is still a very very solid team. I just thought that at a crucial point in that game, coming out of halftime. Bama just was able to separate itself, but I I don't knock Georgia in my own mental power rankings from the way they played in this game.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, they uh, could uh, still be Bama. Uh, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, they, they could. Bama they Bama. could. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. I, I feel like maybe a lot of people won't want to hear this, but we could see this game two more times still this season because there's still a very good chance that they're going to meet in the SEC title game, and there's still a chance that they could meet again in the playoff afterward.
0: If Georgia wins in Atlanta then they both make I'll, I'll say that now if,
1: yeah, if definitely if
0: they meet in the SEC championship game and Georgia wins both teams are in
1: yeah without question like well I mean well <laughs> I, mean, you that, 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 I mean if assumes, they both, both right, had three assumes, losses by then right, right 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 <laughs> that, that assumes that they get there fairly unscathed um, but yeah like I think if they get there the way in the in the kind of shape we think they're gonna get there, then yeah, I think that the, the Georgia win would mean both. Get in.
0: Um, so it was funny because I guess some of it was just the way the game played out, especially with uh Alabama really taking control in the third quarter. But Najee Harris had a hundred and fifty two yards and it felt quiet. Yeah, well, that, he is, did about 31
3: carries. That's the thing. It wasn't like he had like a huge night with a bunch of huge plays. That was very much
0: the long was 17. His longest yeah. run wasn't even like an explosive. He did. He it was 152 workman like yards against the best rushing defense in the country.
3: Yeah, Exactly. It was just kind of like he was getting thrown into the wall over and over again because, you know, they they needed him to do it. So he just played his role and he did a pretty good job considering the, you know, the amount of carries he had and the fact that just no explosive plays. But yeah, he was he was the yeoman tonight. He was the guy doing the work and letting everybody else shine.
0: And then the uh, the other thing that stood out, it was it sort of took me back to. Like, Barton, when you checked me on Clemson last week, I loved it. Like, it it rung with me, like, the rest of the week. I came in with a list of complaints, and you were like, and that was after a 42-17 to win. I'm coming into this, I'm like, man, Mac Jones looked a little rattled. He looked a little out of place. He really looked like, you know, he just, he was off his game. And then you just sit down at the end of it, and you're like, He only had eight incompletions, and he had 417 passing yards with four touchdowns. Stupid. Like That that is a high standard that we are using for these teams, and uh, even with all the complaints, I think when you take a step back, you realize that, especially against a team like that, just phenomenal performance.
3: Yeah, to be fair, in the first half, he was kind of shaky. He was 15-23, of 23, had two touchdowns, had the interception. It was in the second half where he really settled in. He was 9-10 for 193 yards with the two touchdowns.
0: He looked a little shaky there.
3: <laughs> he had that one at completion after halftime, which you got to be better,
1: Mac. Come on, get your head in the game. So, well... W- Tom Tom sent out the bat signal on Twitter for JT Daniels. Yes. Oh yeah, we got we can't move
0: uh, on before <laughs> we addressing that. I,
1: it's, it's a little weird, and and I, I mean, obviously he's not he's just not physically ready. Obviously, um, because he would he would there's no there's no way he is not playing in a game like that over Stetson Bennett, and so I and that's why like when Stetson Bennett was throwing those interceptions, Kirby Smart was all like like positive
2: poly. Oh like, yeah. You know, patting you know, him on the butt.
1: like, like yeah, a lot hey, of butt taps. Listen, listen, listen <laughs> Stet, you got
0: this. Come on, like, Stet, get back on out like, there.
1: Like that tells me that it wasn't just like he needed him for the night. It tells me that there's going to be a few more weeks of this. That's a minute stuff. And, and not then. That's minute can win. Most of it doesn't miss not bad, but it's going to be a couple more weeks of this because if not, I feel like you would have gotten a little more of the ass chewing Kirby smart instead of the ass and Kirby smart. And, uh, I, 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 I think JT Daniels must be still a few more weeks away. There, there's no other explanation. All right, well, let's
3: make a prediction here because Georgia's got a bye next week. And then they come back on Halloween against Kentucky on the road. And then the week after that, first Saturday, November, it's the cocktail party. Is JT Daniels the starting quarterback against Florida?
1: My, I'll I'll just randomly guess that the, I'll say yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I mean, I'm just guessing on this, like, phantom injury. Yeah. And health situation. But, but, but I don't know. It feels like that might be enough time, surely. Yeah, I'm voting yes. Not, not should.
0: You're guessing will.
3: Yeah. I'm guessing we see JT Daniels and Kyle Trask going at each other in Jacksonville.
0: So... I'll vote yes, but I think that Stetson Bennett can beat Florida. Of course, the wrinkle here being that Florida's defense is Florida's defense. Yes. Right. It's just a a game of of pretty big magnitude, and you're going to need to – you basically just need to warm up JT Daniels. And, okay, so I'll throw this in for Stetson Bennett. Is there something to be said for the fact that – In the framework of this offense, as it's been running so far, that Stetson Bennett, he's not a dual threat, but he's like a a one-and-a-half threat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, he—he they do use him. He at least takes off. He gets some first downs on the ground. He will take off and run a little bit.
3: He scares me out of the pocket, though. Well, if he throws, for sure. Yeah, like, he made one great throw rolling to his right, but... Most of his throws, I feel like when he's on the run, have a lot of a hope and prayer to him that I just don't think Georgia really wants to see.
1: So, Chip, your question is, is there something to be said for the fact that he can just sort of like move a little bit? On the outside,
0: yeah, basically. as a, as opposed to like still recovering, like if you're not medically cleared until recently, uh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, as like
1: as opposed to JT Daniels, if if he's if, as opposed to a potentially very stationary JT Daniels, Is yes. that what you're getting at, yes, I got you.
0: The idea um, that you're you're you are giving up some uh, downfield passing ability to JT Daniels. For the ability to extend the play a little bit, or at least scoot for a first down on third and five.
1: Well, I also think you need you're like there's probably the idea that just JT Daniels is coming off a serious injury. I'm sure a he isn't anxious to get on the field before he's ready, and, I, and I'm sure Georgia is probably thinking about this from a you know let's 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 take care of our quarterback of the next year or two. Um, Instead of just getting him out there and getting him re injured again, I think but, he starts for Kentucky. But I think Stetson Bennett, to, uh, to your point, I think Stetson Bennett is just sort of, he's like out there just kind of a survivor, <laughs> scrapping and clawing for everything he gets. I mean, you know, and, and listen, for a little bit, you know, throw a little out route. Like, but Kentucky's just, a um, little
0: tough, man. Kentucky will get after the quarterback. Like, that's a. That's that's a tough uh, that's a tough spot to be able to send. You're going to send J T Daniels out there at Kroger Field asking for a buy one get one win? Are you kidding me? It's, it's no a bye week.
1: It's
0: a buy. I know. I know. Tough. Tough. Tough spot. All right. Uh, anything else from uh, the big game of the week? Where else do y'all want to go? Where, where do where, where do you want to point your attention? What's burning on your mind as we sit here at this uh, at this late hour on Saturday night?
1: Well, you I know. think it's I think it's only fair. I think it's that, that we go to the next biggest news of the day, Dan Mullen. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the I mean that's not where I was going, but but if that's hey, a that, uh, like, that Dan Dan Mullen, biggest news of the
0: day. Dan Mullen admitted that he had COVID. Okay, now we're on. Okay.
1: Check right. <laughs> <laughs> your boys, Chip. Your boys. The Tar Heels? In the ACC, the Tar Heels. Mm. Knocked off by Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis and those pesky Seminoles. They're back, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that is that your lingering thought, though? Because if, if Florida State had poured it on, and if they'd run that up to like a 40, let's see, it was 31, it was, let's see, 24. Like, if they had run that up to 45 to 10... As the final or forty-five to fourteen, I think you're coming out of that game being like, I'll tell you what, man, Florida State might have figured some things out. But no, there was some like that. There were some tight butts. And yeah, but, I yeah. mean like like Tallahassee is not quite COVID station, Texas, but like, you know, there was a lot of people in those stands with tight, tight butts as North Carolina is charging down thirty-one to twenty-eight at the end of the game in the final minute and like fourth quarter, Sam Howell had entered the group chat and like thrown a couple touchdown passes in the second half that had kind of gotten things going in the right direction. I a hundred percent credit that to the, the like mental, like Florida state has like, even if it's just North Carolina, but it's like a top five opponent in town, like snaps your attention. And North Carolina is a top five opponent. Like, they ain't no way you should trust North Carolina. I mean, my over failed, but you heard me be like, I'm I'm not trusting North Carolina as a two-touchdown favorite in Tallahassee. Are you kidding me? And they fell into a 17-nothing hole. Like, it it very, very quickly. So, I'm... I, I think that North Carolina is the 15th best team in the country, along with about 10 other teams that are the 15th best team in the country. And... They got got man. They got they got exposed a little bit. That defense, young, inexperienced. Jordan Travis, dual threat, getting it going. I don't, I don't really have a, a a wildly different opinion about North Carolina. I thought Sam Howell played a little poorly. He's that that Florida State pass rush got after him. Uh, David Hale did a good shared some stats that showed how. Uh, the Florida State defensive line: Marvin Wilson, Corey Durden, who got actually uh, ejected in that game for a, for a targeting call on Sam Howell. Uh, you know, Josh Kando. Josh Kando plays linebacker or defensive end. I guess he's like D-end. a D end. Okay, Ed, yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
0: edge player. Um, like we looked at that personnel and we we're like, I tell you what, Florida State's gonna be nasty up front. They're gonna be able to really cause some problems. And statistically, they have not been all that great through the season. I thought they did a good job. And maybe that is North Carolina's weakness on the offensive line that was exposed a little bit, and that was part of it. But I thought that, uh, you know, top five team goes down. I swear. I mean, am I sounding like a Tar Heel apologist? Did y'all watch the same game I did?
3: I did, and I had two feelings. Mostly, I mean, it's like the first half I was like, hey, Florida State might be back. And then the second half I was like, yeah, Florida State's back because it's back to looking really mediocre. Not all good. You know, they didn't score a single point in the second half. My, my impressions of North Carolina, my concern with that team is like, yeah, it's it's ranked number five. I don't think any of us ever considered it to be like a real number five team. It's Like you said, Chip, there's like, what, 10, 15, fifth best teams in the yeah. country right
1: now. They were default number five.
3: Yeah. yeah. But I, I think like when I watch them on offense, particularly with Sam Howell, I do think that they're they're a little too reliant on just chucking the ball up and hoping their guy can jump up and get it. And I think that there was a lot of that in their offense tonight. And, you know, it works. It works often enough for them to, you know, get move the ball down the field and get points. It's just, that's not a very efficient kind of reliable, steady way to play. And I think that, you know, when you come up against decent defenses or better teams, that's, that's going to be a problem for them. And I think that was kind of a problem for them tonight because I mean, they lost to Florida state and Florida state deserves credit because they were able to run the ball pretty well. And Florida state overall did average 7.9 yards per play. But I mean, like we're talking, I, I saw his tweets about how Florida state has solved its quarterback situation. And Jordan Travis, he rushed for 107 yards on 16 carries had two touchdowns. But just passing-wise, he was 8-19 for 191 yards with a touchdown and an interception. I'm just thinking, if that is the solved, if the quarterback situation has been solved with Jordan Travis, I'm I'm not sure we're going to see too many more wins from the Seminoles this year.
0: I thought that, uh, so against Virginia Tech, North Carolina just runs the ball. So it's not their only thing. Florida State just did a really, really good job of shutting down that Javante Williams-Michael Carter rushing attack. Enforcing a lot of third and eights, third and nines, which are just going to be Sam Howell dropping back, panicky under pressure, doing a lot of chucking. So I he
3: does panic, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he's he was not. It was it was not Sam Howell's best game for sure. Barton, what do you think?
1: Well, I just think that this is like there's go. This is why you don't give up. Like why you don't just start writing off a coach when he has a bad loss early in his tenure and he'll have more bad losses. Like this Florida state team is not all of a sudden now going to be good. Um, they're going to have some more bad losses this year, but for this, this coaching staff is, you know, they're just figuring it out. They're, they're working through this stuff as they go. And both teams are trying, you know, both teams practice. And like everybody has all season hard. conditioning, <laughs> you know, like they, you don't just, you know, so I think that this is just one of those games that, you know, Florida State is probably not a better team than North Carolina right now, but they got them tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think that's, it's part of the process for Florida State and it's a, it's a good sign. Um, but it's not, it, it's not a, it's not a, a statement of any sort one way or the other. I don't think. It made it
0: awesome for this week because NC State staved off the look-ahead loss against Duke when Duke went up early against the Wolfpack. North Carolina clearly looking ahead to NC State during its road trip to Florida State. Oh, and by the way, y'all know how many times that uh, Mac Brown has beaten Florida State as a head coach? None. As many times as we have. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he—that is a Florida State alum who has yet to beat Florida State in his Hall of Fame career. Mac Brown oh. still winless. Double yeah.
3: agent.
1: They showed some uh, clips from his Florida State days. He's a little bit of a plotter. <laughs> but <in> like the need <laughs> to see a little more, a little more juice out of Mac. Back yeah. in the day speaking. Um, speaking of plotters. How about
3: that Notre Dame Louisville game? How you like that transition? Oh,
1: that's the stuff right there.
0: (laughs) Is it? Is it though? I mean, did y'all did y'all hear that worldly uh, post game comment from Brian Kelly?
1: What did he say? What did he say? He said. uh, He said we. I figured out how to win. Found a way to win or something. I I know it doesn't look real good, but
0: we uh we. We scored goals instead of instead instead of scoring touchdowns. We we took we didn't get a lot of red zone opportunities, but when we did, we, we took advantage of it.
3: No, you didn't. You had four red zone or no, you had five red zone possessions. You scored three times, one touchdown, two field goals. Once you went forward on fourth down, you you ran a fake and it got stuffed. i like, you know, I guess the fifth red zone possession was at the very end of the game. So that one didn't count. But yeah,
0: no. We scored goals. What the hell, Brian Kelly?
1: Brian Kelly, big soccer fan. I mean, I'm not going to hold that
3: against him. Yeah. He
1: loves loves the football. Tell you what, in that that sense, five of their seven drives ended inside the 20. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, in, in 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 the red zone, and they got twelve uh, points. Twelve points, but it was such a weird game. Like I watched it off and on, but the box score is kind of kind of wild. Like each team only had seven drives,
0: no yeah. turnovers. Right, it was a turnover free game that ended twelve to seven.
3: The best thing about this game, because I had to live blog it for CBS, the best thing about this game was that the clock rarely stopped, and it was that over game was very cooking, quickly.
1: man. Uh, it was, it, <laughs> that game was like done <laughs> in no time. Grunts
3: it was the saving grace of this game because it was just it was an ugly football game I mean it's on the one hand like my concern going into the game like I thought Louisville was going to cover this spread simply because I was like you know I know Notre Notre Dame's defense has been good but it hasn't really faced a decent offense yet so I don't know how you know how legit those stats are they did a pretty good job of shutting down the Louisville offense particularly you know Tutu Atwell didn't really let get there was no big plays from him. His longest play was 13 yards. Javian Hawkins had one long run of 28 yards, but other than that, they really bottled him in. So I felt like defensively, this was a very good performance for Notre Dame that bodes well for them going forward. But, you know, offensively, I just, I still do not see it. I just don't see this as a team that can compete offensively with the elite teams. It's kind of like a junior Georgia in that fact where I feel like, okay, I believe in the defense now, but I don't believe in Ian book. I think Kyron Williams is good. And I think Kyron Williams has a chance to be very special, but Ian book reminds me a lot of like a senior Bo Nix at times. And he made one great play on a third and eight. He scrambled. Nobody was open because Louisville in the red zone, what they were doing, was they were literally they were just rushing three and dropping eight guys back and seeing if Ian Book could figure out a way to beat that zone and to see if Notre Dame had any receivers that could you know find space and get open and they really weren't doing it like the the, the three man rush got there twice for sacks to end possessions and in and field goals but the third time Ian just kind of tucked it and took off running. And then when he got the first down at the first down marker, he broke a tackle along the sidelines, kind of tiptoed, kept his balance for another five yards and dove for the goal line. It was a spectacular play. And it was that kind of play that I think makes people like Notre Dame fans and the coaching staff say, that's our guy. That That's the dude we have. It's just, I don't think he makes those plays often enough, or I think there are too many other plays in between that just aren't good enough. Because, I mean, he was 11 and 19 for 106 yards passing and it's just it's like that you can't beat Clemson playing like that you can't get to the playoff and beat anybody once you get there playing like that
1: if you can convince yourself that this Notre Dame team is like a contender to beat Clemson (laughs) then you are are like a legit outside the box thinker and I respect the hell out of the way you could twist that mind up because this is I don't this is a problem right now. We've got a problem on our hands. If you're if you're pinning your hopes on the the, the you know Clemson's losses you're coming from Notre Dame because I mean I will I'll give Notre Dame this. I think anytime you, like I don't th- I, I I don't I bet you Brian Kelly and that in the in the staff, you know cookout after the game, I bet they're not I bet they're not sitting there around there disappointed. I bet, they, I bet they feel like they, they, they found a game plan that worked. They won the way they had to win. You know what? We grounded this one out. Like We ran the clock. We knew what we had to do. Like Let's keep that offense off the field. I think they, thought, I think they figured out a way to win this one, and a win's a win's a win. Um, I just don't know that they have shown a, a side of them that is capable of beating Clemson. I think they've shown a way. They, they've shown they're capable of beating. They might be the fourth-best team that we've seen this year. Like, of the 76 teams out there, they might be fourth. They might be. That's a large gap. (laughs) But but they, yeah, exactly. But they ain't anywhere close to the other three. Um, And and and
0: they're probably ahead of North Carolina and those other teams that are at 15, where it's like one through three, Notre Dame's at 10, and then there's like 10 teams at 15.
3: Yeah, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, partner, you're saying how, like, the receiver position – Is becoming one of the more important positions they just they don't have anything at their i mean not i don't want that's probably unfair it's not that they don't have anything it's just it's hard to look at that group of receivers through four games that they've played now and determine who the guy is because nobody's really stepped up to be that guy yet
1: yeah i'm i agree
0: Did y'all see Clemson hung 73 on the board against an actual cross division conference foe and had their starters pulled after the first drive of the third quarter that all these coaches are out here bemoaning that we lost our FCS game and we lost these non-conference games, which were so important to program building because of the live game reps that we get for our twos and our threes. And Clemson just did it to their damn cross division rival. (laughs) Are you kidding me? They they brought out the fridge package and got Niles Pinkney a touchdown, and he danced. D- Dabo Sweeney got in his ass on the sideline and said, "Act like you've been there before." And Niles Pinkney said, "I haven't."
3: <laughs> <laughs> Did, I I saw two plays from this game because I mean it was it was over re- like it was seven to seven, and then the next thing you knew it was like fifty two to seven or whatever it was at halftime. Did Clemson really put its punter at QB?
0: Yes. Will Spear was in there at quarterback. I don't know what's up with uh DJ Uyongalele. Hey, Barton? Is that close? Yeah.
1: That that's you hit it, man. Okay. Um But but they, but if but if DJ wasn't playing, then where's Tyson Pumashan? No, he Lose came in second. H- two f- two for okay, six so he played? yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right.
0: Yeah, he came in second and uh played okay, you know, but That was uh, that was the big surprise was that when it because the game had already gotten even more out of hand than it was at fifty two to seven at halftime, you know then you decided to go to number three and number three was not Uyongilale so uh, that's what put the punter in as the uh, the quarterback, you know I I listen we the thing that was impressive to me was uh, EJ Williams flashed just a little bit. Uh Frank Ladson still still struggling, still coming along, still figuring it out. Justin Nagata still probably not quite there, but uh a is that how we're doing it? Is just dropping just right there.
1: I believe it's a Joe A Joe.
0: A, joe, a joe? Dude, that guy's gonna be a problem. He like the the wide receiver room at Clemson is set until 2023. Minimum
1: story on him is i think he wears like 4XL gloves or something crazy like that <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean they th-
0: they threw him screen passes they hit him in the back of the end zone like it it was bananas early in the game uh, it was nothing but Amari Rogers and Travis Etienne. Like, that is the go-to right now. Like, Clemson gets stuck in third and long, give the ball to Travis Etienne, let him shed tacklers, let him make some make a play after the catch. Uh, give it to Amari Rogers, somebody who can, uh, you know, make a play after the catch. Like, that is, when they are in tight positions against the lead opponents, that is going to be what they're going to do. But that game, the rest of the way, was like, oh, snap, this is... Uh, They've 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 still got freaks all the way down the roster.
3: Here's a question for you because you you brought them up. Travis Etienne only only forty four yards on eleven carries. Should we be worried?
0: <laughs> I the only reason that we should be worried is if we bet on. Uh, the next game being the one that he breaks Ted Brown's ACC career rushing record. Cause I think now he needs to get like 130 yards in Clemson's next game, which is going to be against Syracuse uh, next weekend though. Yikes. Clemson against Syracuse. Who wants to set the line right now? 38 and a half. Anybody? Where is it,
3: though? Is it it at Clemson or is it in the dome? It's
0: Death Valley, baby.
3: Oh, oh, no reason to watch.
0: After what Syracuse did in terms of the ground attack against Liberty with Liberty's top running back out, I'm going to say Travis Etienne gets that ACC rushing record next
3: week.
1: uh, Yeah. I mean, if he plays more than a half again, oh, cool.
0: that's a problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he may not need a second half.
0: I mean, Trevor Lawrence had five passing touchdowns at halftime.
1: He had four hundred yards. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, he's he is he is quickly becoming like the can't miss NFL prospect of all time. Like, there's there's no there's no doubts about him. He's taking his game to another level, and it was already really high level. Um, I, I, like, uh, tank for Trevor. Like, that's you should absolutely tank for Trevor, whoever you I are. Can't, like.
3: I can't wait until like the pre-draft process where it becomes well, well. I mean, do we really know he was never tested? Like, how do we know he's going to stand up under pressure?
1: <laughs> I don't know what they're going to say. Like, they
3: got
0: to figure out something.
3: But they I don't know what they're going to say.
0: I don't know if I can trust that hair. I don't know. Yeah. Have we ever talked about that here on the podcast? Because that's the I truly for a long. time Time I did not know that. And then maybe three or four years ago, uh, a, a coach named Steve Logan, I don't know, former ECU coach who went on to be a uh, offensive coordinator. I think at Boston college when Matt Ryan was there, he was, you know, offensive uh, coach or quarterbacks coach with Jacksonville Jaguars for a little bit, did some NFL Europe, but he was the first person to enlighten me to like, well, you've got to put something negative because the card for every single one of these prospects when you're scouting them has like a section for positives and a section for negatives. So you just, you have to put something like that is your job. If you're to leave it empty, then you're not doing your job. And that is one of the reasons that we get some of these bananas negatives on can't miss prospects like Trevor Lawrence. It's just because scouts have to find something to nitpick. They're little, like they're not trying to feed the media. It is just the job to put something in that blank.
1: Good luck. Uh, Do you guys want to have a seat over there on the couch and snuggle up under a blanket, put your slippers on, put the fire on, pour yourself a cup of hot tea, and and settle into Gus Malzahn hot seat season? (laughs) Hold on.
0: We'll we'll get into how long it's going to take for Hugh Freeze to be hired at the new head coach at (laughs) Auburn (laughs) after this next the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived
2: visit roberthalf.com today. So,
0: Auburn like there's one one of the things that I looked at for tomorrow's top 25 today was the idea that uh the SEC has dropped all of its middle class, right? Like it's yeah. it's got those teams I mentioned at the at the beginning, but you know Mississippi State flirts up there, drops out. LSU starts at the top, drops out. Um, you know, Kentucky in there and like Kentucky could be back, but like Tennessee drops out. But Auburn was this team that like never no one really like bailed on Auburn until today. And then oh. I felt like today was really the fire sale of Auburn stock where it's just like anybody like, Tom, Tom, you might've been ahead of it for sure. But I'm just saying that today really felt like the moment that everybody bailed on Auburn stock and that we will uh, we will look at today as the turning point for, uh, for, for the Auburn season.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I have I I guess I I guess I could agree in that I was on today as far as being convinced of it. I do. I like the last couple of weeks. I've mentioned it. It's like I've got a sneaking suspicion this team is just bad, and I think today is was like the clincher for me. It's just like, what is there? Tank Bigsby's good. Tank Bigsby's going to be good. But what is there? Looking at this Auburn team right now, when you're watching it play. What's the one thing besides Bigsby and maybe besides Seth Williams that makes you feel optimistic about the future of the team? And I guess Seth Williams can't really make you feel that optimistic about the future because he'll be gone. But like, what is there with this roster where you're like, okay, no, they'll be fine.
1: They'll be fine this year, you're saying
3: this year, next year, at any point they're going to be like, okay, no, they're going to be competing for the West again here.
1: Uh, Well, so I'll I'll say this. I'll answer the question this way. Because early in the game when Auburn, they kind of jumped out to a lead here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they looked looked pretty good early in the game. And
0: I think they lost the middle eight.
1: They lost the middle eight? I don't know if it's...
0: Middle eight got them? That is anecdotally. Here, I'll pull it up real quick just to check it. But it felt like around the late second half, South Carolina got into it. And then early second half, South Carolina got control. Shy Smith had a couple of those big flash plays. Uh, yep. Offense kind of uh, choked up a little bit. Auburn had missed some opportunities late first half to really extend the lead. Because for the second half, it kind of felt like South Carolina was in control of that game.
1: For sure. What, what I was kind of getting at is early in the game... Cause when I was watching the Kentucky game, remember, cause I, I didn't think that they were that good for, against the Kentucky against Kentucky either. They've won that game, but I wasn't impressed. And, and yet I, I did leave that Kentucky game optimistic. I was like, well, the defense is going to get better. The defensive line is going to grow up. The, the, the offense and the pass game is going to get more comfortable. Bo Nix is going to be more comfortable in Chad Morris's system. And, this team will improve and early in that in early in the game i i think i even wrote it down i was like well look this is what i was thinking this is it's, it's starting to happen this team's starting to it's starting to come together but i don't know as the game progressed a i feel like bo nicks started getting like almost just um impatient worse 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 works um impatient uh the the you know south carolina just started getting there like they started i feel like the run game almost like it did against uh tennessee too the run game started to find its footing late in the game um and they just sort of found their rhythm colin hill start, was out bo nicks and it just sort of fell apart a little bit and i guess that's maybe to tom's point is is like they don't if if bo nicks is like their identity which he kind of is it's like a it's a weird identity to have um and Seth Williams is absolutely their best player, but there was some at least their best offensive player and and yeah probably the best player overall and there was some miscommunication, some frustration between him and the, him and the quarterback there was it, it just it all felt like it's just not really gonna click this year,
3: yeah, like i through the first three games, this offense wasn't great. Like they didn't last week, they finally kind of started finding some big plays in the run game. But even with the problems, because, you know, I've, I've always been kind of hard on Bo to begin with, but through, like, the first two weeks of the season, well, I didn't think Knicks was spectacular. I didn't feel like he was the problem with this team. I think today he was a very large part of the problem because he just played poorly, but I don't know if that's the result of him just having a bad game or kind of like what you're saying, Barton, where frustration's kind of settling in and he's starting to feel like he has to do it all on his own and make things happen, because, like, particularly at the end of the game, I, I don't know what he was thinking thinking on like those last two plays on the third down scramble. And then what he was doing on fourth down, it's just, I, that to me feels like felt like a quarterback who thought he had to do too much and didn't trust his teammates and might not even have trusted the plays his coaches were calling him. And you said there was, there was frustration. There was like a little bit of scuffle of him between him and Williams, getting in each other's face and yelling at each other on the sideline there. And then Chad Morris was trying to calm him down and he was looking pretty frustrated dealing with Chad Morris. It's just, Optically, there's not a lot to like about or feel good about if you're an Auburn fan right now.
0: It all crumbled in the red zone. Every single time that Auburn got into a scoring opportunity, they blew it Like And, and that's where the game ended up being decided. And so when you can't take advantage of that, especially with a quarterback that you're even treating as a dual threat quarterback, like that is uh, a, an incredible indictment. And we look, we went into the Auburn Georgia game circling the Auburn offensive line as a weakness. We have known that, I mean, it is, uh, it's, I've called it putt putt too many times. I, I want to hang it up. Like, I, 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 like what is, I, I don't even know what the Chad Morris wrinkle is in the putt putt offense, except for, oh, I figured it out. This, this was my note it's putt it's putt and penalty flags. The best thing that we can do is hope that Seth Williams gets held or that a defensive back gets beat and commits pass interference on Seth Williams because the trick plays and penalty flags were the best offense that Auburn had.
3: I will say, I I don't know what you want to call the wrinkle that Chad Morris has brought to this offense, but I think just looking at the box score, I think the one thing Chad Morris might want to reconsider is if Bo Nix is my quarterback. I don't want to have him throwing forty-seven passes in a game.
0: Twenty-four for thought. forty-seven for two hundred seventy-two yards, one touchdown, three interceptions.
3: Bo Nix is not somebody who should be dropping back to pass fifty times a game.
1: When I was, uh, I, I wrote. So you you mentioned Liberty, you know, kick the teeth in Syracuse, and no no surprise there. That was that was one of my locks. And the in in the aftermath of that game, I wrote that. Um, Hugh Freeze, will be considered. Not that he should. I wasn't like lobbying for him. I was just saying, like, the reality is this. Um, whatever his flaws may be, he will be soon a strong candidate for big-time college football jobs. Uh, probably SEC jobs. And the responses that I got, like, almost exclusively, like, the fan base that responded as if as, in, in a affirmative, like, we won him a gesture was the, was the good folks down at Auburn. Like there's, they're like, they, they're just, are. I think they're just, they're just ready. And, and yet we all know how this story ends. Gus Malzahn will find a way. He'll be Bama. <laughs> he, ain't, he, ain't, he ain't leaving us. He can't right. quit us.
0: Okay. Let's see. What is the game that saves Bama. Gus? Mal- no, I just, yeah. Texas A&M. Texas A and M is way. Listen, if he beats all right, so they finish the season with Tennessee at home, Bama on the road, and Texas A and M at home. I do not believe, based on what we saw from Alabama today, that Alabama would lose that game. I don't think that this Auburn team. No, 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 Uh, no.
1: How many times uh,
0: can we say that about
3: the years Auburn beat Alabama? I, I,
1: I don't think we. I don't. I. I don't. I can't fathom this Auburn team beating Alabama.
0: And so I I think Tennessee and Texas A&M might be the games that look, you know, like it's this, you know, saving your job type moment. You go two and one in that stretch of Tennessee, Alabama, Texas A&M. Vibes are much better and potentially keep your job situation.
3: But like, let's, let's look you know, let's go through the history book of the winds of change with Gus Malzahn on the Plains. The games that have saved Gus's job. Obviously, there's been the years where he's beaten Alabama. There was, you know, the, the prayer at Jordan Hare when they beat Georgia. And then there was like the, you know, last coach standing, you know, gets fired or whatever game against LSU. Less miles. miles a few years ago, and they won that. But that's LSU, that's Georgia, and that's Alabama. If we're to a situation where having to beat Tennessee or Texas A and M is the game that saves Gus's job, Gus is already fired.
0: But but Texas A and M could be a top ten team. It's it's like that. It's like that. North Carolina is a top five team. Who cares? <laughs> well, it's like the Jimbo Fisher signature win against Florida.
1: I I would look. I, I, I'd I'd like to look at it from the opposite direction. What what record does would Liberty not have to have? <laughs> No, no. What what record would Gus Malzahn have to have for you to be confident this would be his that he he would be fired? Because I don't I don't have like I, at Auburn seven and three. I mean like, that, but he, that's happened before and he hadn't gotten fired. But I'm saying though, I feel like that's it. you really I, think we're I, at that we're at that point,
3: dude. I I think they've been at that point for three years. Honestly,
1: I just it's. I mean, let's see. But that's they're my two point. Is like they—they're always unhappy with them, but he's always comes. He always comes back.
0: Sub so, 500 five, or five hundred.
1: So five and five, you think would be enough? Yeah. So
3: if Auburn loses next week against Mississippi, and then they get LSU. And then they get Mississippi state before they finish with their three games, the two big job saving games against Tennessee and A&M with the iron bowl mixed in between
0: both at home and judging by the way things are going, Alabama might just let full stadiums by that point. So, Hey, you know,
3: I just, I, I can't sit here and say that Tennessee and A&M are job savers. I just can't see that being the case.
1: I think, I think they'll be, I think Auburn will be four and four, um, Minus Tennessee and A and M games, so if they go zero and two those games, I think they could finish four and six. If they go two and zero those games, I think they could finish six and four. That's kind of where I see them.
3: But if you're six and four and your your best win is Tennessee or A and I, I mean, I don't know.
1: The- I just I just think I think Gus Malzahn's got a little more cockroach in him than you think. <laughs> I think he's got he's got a little survivor. I mean, he survived this long. He, he go. He's not just going down. Just you know, I mean, I think, I think Gus Malzahn's got some, some, some survivor in him.
0: How did Chad Morris get this much stink to him? I don't know. Remember when he was the golden child at Clemson? Turned it all around.
1: Yeah. He's the beginning.
0: And now, I mean, because there was nothing at SMU that was like golden.
1: You know no. what though? I think
3: if he's if you look at SMU now, I think Chad might have left SMU early for a job that maybe wasn't worth leaving for. Like if he'd had turned down the Arkansas job at that time, and stayed at SMU, I think he'd have had a couple ten win seasons like we've seen Dykes have with them. And I you know because it'd pretty much be the same team, and I think that Chad could be on a trajectory where this off season he might have been the big group of five guy.
1: But I, I don't know. There's any reason to believe that. Like, why? Wh- like, why would you assume that? Why would you assume he would keep on building SMU into where Sonny Dykes has, has put it? Because like, I think da- that
3: they were heading that way already. Like, I think
1: Dykes. But Dykes, I, has, look- Dykes, Dykes has had more success as a head coach, yeah, than Chad Morris ever has. And Chad Morris just like he was. I mean, the the, the reality is Arkansas was terrible last year. Last two years. And Arkansas was pretty good this year. Not bad. And yeah, like the only difference is the coach.
3: The SMU program he took over was, you know, bottom 25 champions. It was the worst program in the country. Like, they were winless two out of three years, I think. So,
1: it, But he, he also needed... didn't put, like, he, he he didn't really win that much with them. Like, he didn't build no, but them going, up. Going from 0-12 to 7-5 isn't something you should just ignore. I'm not, ign- I'm not ignoring
3: it. I think that if he stayed at SMU, he would have had a couple 10 win seasons under his belt by now. Honest. That's my honest to God opinion.
0: I'm downgrading Chad Morris because, and I understand that this is a hundred percent like biased against him. He has no chance to win here, but we have had too many sources, both the broadcasters who are talking to players and people around the program, guests of the cover three podcasts, too many people have mentioned some combination of the thing this Arkansas team needed was a coach who cared about them. The thing that these Arkansas players would run through a wall for Sam Pittman, I think was a Rusty Mansell quote here on the Cover Three podcast. Like, there's something along the lines of like Chad Morris. I'm sure he cared, but I, there is something in the Bobby Petrino line of like player relationships I to the Chad Morris head coaching experience that makes me just think that it's like, Hey, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe there is a little bit of a disconnect there uh, for Chad Morris as a head coach.
1: I mean, you can't just slander a man with a Bobby Petrino I know. reference out of nowhere. <laughs> That's <laughs> who.
3: And also, I, with who amongst us wouldn't run through a wall for Sam Pittman?
0: <laughs> but is that was during the uh, during the Arkansas during A-S-R. during the Arkansas game today? That was another talking point from the broadcasters, just like. And I'll tell you, you know, you talk to people around this program. It's just so nice to have a coach that cares about you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Was
0: it? Um, yes. <laughs> like that's, and, and this is you know as as Arkansas is in total control, like up twenty to nothing against Ole Miss. Like they've they've already gotten into their bag with the the full program turnaround. Like, can you believe this program only has two already has two wins against SEC opponents? They went all these years without them. I don't know. The go ahead to, to transition
3: to talking about Arkansas's win. Are we sure that, like, I mean, do we know for a fact that Texas A&M is better than Arkansas? Like, is there an argument to be made that Arkansas is the second best team in the SEC West right now? Yes.
0: There is an argument. I will listen to it. When the line is set for Texas A&M and Arkansas and Texas A&M is a favorite, I will take Arkansas. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too.
3: (laughs) Right? Riding with Felipe, baby. (laughs)
0: They got a good yeah. defense. I mean they yes. they they held Ole Miss scoreless in the first half, and uh, fourteen of the twenty-one points that the Rebels got were when the game was basically decided in the fourth quarter.
1: It's a good defense. Not, I, I don't need convincing on Arkansas. I, I'm the one that sat here like preseason and was sitting here like saying like, "Well, this player's good. This player's good. This player's good. This player's good." Like, why are we? Why do we think this team can't be good? And and yet. Like, here they are, and they're, they're, like, even better than maybe I even, like, I'd hoped they would be. Um, but.
0: We talked about 0-20 for Arkansas and Vanderbilt.
1: Mm-hmm. And everybody had a straight face. I mean, I not I but I picked Arkansas over the win total. <laughs> was it was at, what, half? I think it was one and a half. I think it was one and a half. I, think I, I got them it two one and a half. Okay, so I think it was so a one it was, and a half. And I think I got him to two wins and I think I said like I'm picking two wins and like I don't necessarily I don't see two wins there, but I just am gonna blind have blind faith, just sort of like these players have their faith, their blind faith in Sam Pittman. Just like one of the guys. Shout out to Maddie. Just trust the old coach.
3: Shout out to Matty Crow with his six interceptions today. I have to tell you this, Mississippi quarterbacks, there's something in the water down there in Mississippi because they sure do love throwing interceptions these days.
1: Um, so KJ Costello, tech, Mississippi State has scored two touchdowns in, uh, what, nine quarters? Two offensive touchdowns? Give I think or take. In the, last, in the last nine quarters, something like that. Man, it's tough. Tough come down. So is Jimmy Lake?
3: Is Jimmy Lake just getting on the phone every week and calling whoever Mississippi State's playing? Be like, all right, I'm bored. I got nothing else to do. Here's what you do. <laughs> I
1: think it's, I think everybody's just looking at the game before. Say, so, well, let's just do that. Um, and they're looking at the LSU game and they're saying, well, let's not do that. <laughs> let's do the thing. Let's do the thing that where they didn't score any points. Let's do that thing and. It's it's not that it's not rocket science. Should Arkansas be ranked
0: in the top 25?
3: I mean this year, yeah. I mean it's you don't in have the, to do a whole lot to be in the top 25 this year right now.
0: Yeah, I think they should be. I'm trying to think about that ball don't lie against Auburn.
1: They should be ranked in the top 25 just behind Coastal Carolina. <laughs>
3: Is it Shantz or Chant? Because Shantz, Shantz, it is Shantz. Okay, Shanta Clears the Shantz. Because I'm, I'm from Chicago, so they're the Shanta Clears for me.
1: They released a whole social media video to instruct us all about how to pronounce the new hot name in college football. I think
3: it was Matt Barry calling their game the other night. and He kept calling them the Shantz, and I was like, Oh, somebody likes themselves. <laughs>
0: Uh, All right, what else is on the notepad from the – and speaking of – that was the Wednesday night game. Coastal Carolina taking down Louisiana in a whoever has the ball last is going to end up winning this daggum ball game kind of game. Uh, BYU took care of business against Houston. Let's see what else was on Thursday night. SMU won in overtime against Tulane in another disjointed performance by the Green Wave. Uh, What what else is standing up? Covered. Yes, uh,
3: Kentucky. I mean, they beat the crap out of Tennessee today.
0: Oh, that's another spot I mentioned. Is UFree's going to go to Tennessee? But uh, if Auburn gets to him first, I don't know, man. Tennessee fans are mad, aren't they? Barton, where, where's where's the Tennessee board at?
1: I I didn't check it. I don't think. To, like, here's the, here's what Tennessee fans have to to understand.
0: You like Jeremy Pruitt. You believe in the general work that's being done on the recruiting trail and the the staff and the way that that program is building right now. So I, I definitely feel that. I so do. It's lunatic fringe. And Tennessee's got a lot of lunatic fringe.
1: So I posted a tweet and I said, um, I said, Jerry Pruitt's made, and this team has made strides. Now they need a grad transfer quarterback. And no, I'm not, I'm not saying like it was like some, you know, bananas, like group of crazies that started to hit me up. But, you know, a couple of Tennessee fans in my mentions being like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, did you watch the game? And it's, I think it's just it's a, it, it, in a season like this, it's just important to remember, like every every team, no one wants to finish six and four. And yet six and four is a really good record when it's a 10 game SEC only slate. Like that's a top top half of the league record. And you're going to lose a game or two. And sometimes the loss looks bad. And the loss is going to look really bad when you got two pick sixes in the first half. And Tom and I both, without the knowledge of each other, realized, like made the mistake of betting Tennessee <laughs> at halftime. And what what I failed – and, and the, the thing I failed to take into account – I don't know how you feel about it, Tom, but the thing that I, that I, where I missed on that bet, because when you look at the first half stats, ten, like Tennessee was – like overwhelmingly uh, in favor of the yardage. And that makes sense because, you know, Kentucky lost two possessions by returning to pick six for touchdowns, but like yards per play looked good and, and Tennessee running the ball looked good. And especially late in the, in the first half, Tennessee just started to just like pound in the rock and look mm-hmm. like, okay, like this is what it's going to be. But I think the thing that I failed to take into account is the idea that like Kentucky Knows how to play with the lead, like that's their sweet spot. They're going to be real comfortable there, and they did. And their defense tightened up, and Tennessee started pressing. And Tennessee doesn't have a good quarterback right now. They don't have anybody to choose from, and they can't do anything that's risky. And so that's sort of a problem right now. And I don't know how good this offense would be at at like being. I, I'm not going to like sit here and say that if they had if that if they had some. I don't know, just trade like for Colin Hill or someone that's just sort of competent, then that would make a world of difference. But it is certainly a problem right now. And I think that that's that's the number one thing they need to address.
3: It's the weak spot. And I mean, Jared Guarantano, 14 to 21 for 88 yards and and two pick sixes. It's like what's. I think the most damning part of it, too, was because Guarantano, after the second pick six, got benched. JT Trout comes in, throws one pass. It's picked off. So now Tennessee's, like, last three passes have been picked off. And Guarantano's back in. And I think Pruitt said, like, the reason, like, he he said he didn't bench Guarantano. He just wanted him to get, he wanted to give him a series off to catch his breath because his head was spinning.
1: <laughs> and, and I get I was, that. that.
3: That's kind of what I figured, too. But then, <laughs> but then I also figured it was like the reason Guarantano keeps getting so many chances is because Jeremy Pruitt knows what the rest of his depth right. right looks like. So I do think, I mean, yes, if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, I don't think Tennessee fans are out on Pruitt yet, Chip. I don't think if you go to their message board, you're going to find a whole lot of anger towards Pruitt. I think you'll find plenty of anger towards Guarantano though. And I do think that should be Jeremy Pruitt's a number one priority this off is getting somebody in to play that role
0: my favorite lunatic position is listen we need to fire his ass tomorrow and if we don't if if we need to take fulmer with him like the just (laughs) (laughs) the full the full clean house position where you're just so frustrated with everything yeah thank you where you're just like you know what everybody everybody out let's just let's go ahead and start again we will uh We'll we'll let Dave Hart come back and start running the athletic department. <laughs> uh, all right. So what's uh, what's what's the line on Alabama-Tennessee next week?
1: Twenty-four. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking.
0: What about Georgia against K- Kentucky?
1: Thirteen and a half. I think it might tick a little
3: higher than that. Maybe I think thirteen and a half is pretty good. I mean, where's that? Kentucky or Athens?
0: Uh, Kentucky.
3: Thirteen and a half. That's that's a
0: great pace game to me. You know, that's that's a thirteen and a half with an over under forty six and a half to open. Hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! I'm ready to bet it. Let's let's go under. <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and throw it in there. All right. Anything else on the weekend stand out?
3: Uh, I mean, shout out to Miami they actually bounced back. They got a win and they didn't ruin our lock unity in the process, allowing Pitt to cover even without Kenny Pickett and shout out to Virginia tech who like, I guess the North Carolina game was just the anomaly because Virginia tech was back to looking like a damn juggernaut tonight against Boston college.
0: Just I mean, throughout, they, throughout the first quarter of that North Carolina game. Cause Virginia tech outscored them over the last three. So mm-hmm.
1: that was a game for, for a while though. Um, and then they just they I looked the up the snowball started going down yeah, the mountain. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Memphis beat UCF for the first time since 1990, 50 to 49. That was the big number over that I missed. That was such an obvious play. Um, so shout out to Ryan Silverfield, big win there, uh, and our boy Lindell Stone delivered in terms of playing poorly, uh, but not in terms of get letting the under-hit. Yeah. So the fade Lindell Stone was, I think, a proper principle. It was just, should have just played the line instead of the total.
3: Process over results. Process over results. We can't, we can't <laughs> let the results dictate our process. Go back to the UCF Miami game. How would you feel if like your offense had 800 yards, your quarterback threw for 600 yards, and you lost
0: Memphis is weird though. That game, that game had a funny rhythm to it.
3: It was UCF Memphis.
0: Yeah. I got, yeah. I just, you know, is you were at that point at the end of the game where you're like, UCF don't score too fast.
1: <laughs> yeah. And in fact, I mean, the, I, I was, I was pretty like resolved in the idea that Memphis scored too fast they left i think a minute a minute basically yeah like um I, for ucf to go down and score and they did ucf drove the field they had a very a 40, like,
0: they had a 40 a 40 yard field goal attempt
1: yeah mm-hmm. like a, like a chip shot and they just
3: missed it like I I tweeted there and people thought I was joking I tweeted Memphis should kneel twice and then try to score (laughs) like I was half joking but there was a party I was like no seriously they should really do as much as they can to run as much clock because they're going to score there's absolutely nothing in this game that is going to keep them out of the end zone
1: so when Memphis got the big play to get it down to the whatever the uh five yard line whatever it was to um to before they punched it in for the for the go-ahead score, you could see like the the players were ready to like go fast, go fast. Let's let's punch this in, let's punch this in. You could see uh Silverfield was saying huddle up, huddle up. And they there was a little bit like they couldn't get lined up in timeout. They may even had to take a timeout. But you could I, I think I think that's exactly what he was trying to do was like, look, we can't we that was entirely too fast. We Run the five we, minute we, offense we gotta, boys. Figure out a way to get this thing. <laughs> But they just could, I mean, how do you, you know, you get, then you got five yards to go and you can't like milk a minute and a half over five yards. You got to get in the end zone. Um, so that was, uh, that was definitely entertaining.
0: Dylan Gabriel, 35 for 49, 601 passing yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Brady White, 34 for 50, 486 yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. 197 rushing yards for UCF, 217 rushing yards for Memphis. I mean, bananas type stuff. But that, I mean, even those statistics, like the, y'all see the uh, y'all see the kicker try and start a fight with the guy who came over and. Oh, uh,
1: you're gonna put that on the kicker? I don't know who that was on. <laughs> I mean, no, because the kicker was over there getting cons like uh, consoled by his. His special teams boys. And you know those special teams guys, like they don't hang out with anybody else. They're just over in the corner at practice, just like doing their own thing. And then like the the dude comes over, like I don't know who it was, but he was a skill player. And you know that guy's never talked to those special teams guys like once in his life. And he comes over and just gets into the kicker. And then all three of the special teams guys come at the other guy and, and it, it's a fight. I, I can look, I have I have had kickers on my team before. And I like, we had one year there was a, um, a kicker that was like a barefoot kicker. And was this 1945? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so when he, when he would miss a kick, like he missed a game when he kicked, and I was, and like, the poor guy just trying to win the game. But like when you miss a kick, a game winning kick, and like we've just worked our whole, this whole, this whole 60 minutes and you get your one <laughs> chance and just do your job or, or just put the damn shoe on, like at least wear a shoe. Like if you're going to go try to kick this game winning field goal and miss it without a shoe on, like that's not, I'm not going like to, so I understand the emotion of being really pissed off at a kicker and, I I can probably appreciate the kicker trying to stick up for himself, but like I get it, I get it. <laughs> when, I'm not even convinced the dude was pissed off at the
3: kicker. I th- I felt like just by the way he was going over there, I, I maybe mean, again I don't know. We we didn't hear or see anything. It's just oh. I felt like he was going over there to be like, hey, bro, keep your head up, you know, blah blah blah. And the oh, kicker was no. probably like,
1: no, 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 know. no. no. I saw it, no, 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 no. The way those specialists, the way those that group of three specialists reacted tells me that that dude said some (laughs) cold-ass stuff.
3: (laughs) It was personal. That's why you ain't on scholarship, bro.
0: (laughs) Yeah, UCF actually doesn't recruit kickers because they were hoping they would score enough touchdowns that it wouldn't come down to a game-winning field goal, and now all of a sudden, yikes. I mean, I kind of feel like selling UCF stock
1: right now. Like in general? Yeah. Like just the, the Scott for the, the residue from Frost is or probably just, off it?
0: Or just the fact that we're we're two and two. That was a winnable game. They were up let's see, halftime twenty seven fourteen, you know, in the in the third quarter, kind of had things, and then it was winning time, and and Memphis just seemed to have a little bit more program. Uh, like it seems like the stitching's a little bit tighter at Memphis right now.
1: Maybe, but I just think that's a Memphis UCF. Game, yeah, it'll, it'll be like that next year when Brady White is twenty nine years old coming back for his <laughs> ninth, yeah. year. ninth year. <laughs> that strikes me as the kind of the game where
3: you probably don't want to read anything into it. Yeah, they're they're two and two, but they'll probably put up fifty something on Tulane next week and win, and then maybe they'll beat Houston and Temple, and then you know they'll still be in the run with them. They come up against Cincinnati at the end of the year.
0: Okay, all right, maybe I'll hold on to some stock. <laughs> I mean, I I, I I'm, sell it all. I'm wavering. I'm without hedge. a doubt wavering. <laughs> I'll hedge with Houston.
3: Yeah, hedge like I'm going to hedge on my Rays World Series future here tomorrow night.
0: <laughs> there you go. What's oh, so we're going to a game seven for the uh, NLCS?
3: Yeah, uh, Braves slash college football Twitter is going to have a nervous Sunday night. Love it. Did you did you know that every college football writer, except for like us three, are Braves fans?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Braves, a lot of static going on, and uh, yeah.
3: I just want to say, I didn't see, I didn't see that many Braves tweets during the regular season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was only sixty games, Tom. Just saying, I don't remember
1: seeing that many tweets during the regular season. Now it's like everybody's living and dying with every pitch. It's all noise to me, anyway. So who's who's playing right now? We got the 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 Astros and the Braves.
3: No, the the Rays knocked out the Astros tonight. And now the Dodgers and Braves are playing a game seven tomorrow. And the winner goes to the World Series to play the
0: Rays. Tonight was game seven in Rays Astros. And that was exciting because the cheating Astros, you know, they've everybody decided to get all high and mighty rooting against the Astros. And so the fact that they had come back from a 2 0 deficit and forced a game seven, it was all about morals, you know. <laughs>
3: Is this what we want our game is to be? Is this what we want
0: our game to be?
3: There are children watching.
0: You know how it goes. The, they, yeah. That's the great thing is no one's ever asked college football for morality. We've never once tried to claim the moral high ground in college football.
1: Oh, plenty have tried. Yeah, you did yeah, <laughs> it. But then you, but then winning winning always wins yeah the the importance of winning always bubbles up
0: we we appreciate college football be flexible with our definitions (laughs) and the way that we approach things we always like a little bit of wiggle room in the way that we do things
1: i'm just picturing like you like Like bushy eyebrow and like hair coming out of your ears, saying that just like old college guy.
0: (laughs) Oh, we just thought the computers had a few too many votes in the process, (laughs) and now we've got the selection committee. So (laughs) that's how it goes. Uh, All right. We will be back on Monday. We've got an absolutely loaded week. We've got our Big Ten East win totals. We've got our Big Ten West win totals. We've got our locks. And that is in addition to our Monday show. So... The best thing that you can do is subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover3. That's how you get the multi-platform excellence. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Got a lot of hope.